do you it, it, not that you ever eat muffins but when you do uh do you eat <laughs> <laughs> do you eat the top I'm Zach. I'm Riff. And I'm Kevin. And it's time for another episode of Video Games Hot Dog, episode number 127 of Video Games Hot Dog, the 127th episode of a podcast about video games. How's it going, guys? It's going okay. Good. Yeah. Did you have a good dinner just now? Yeah. Yeah. I was there. I ate a salad, which I was, I probably should have just stopped there. But then I went on and I ate an entire pasty. You never stop at a salad. That's not true. I, I sometimes stop at a salad. I've never seen it. Uh, Pixar, it didn't happen. <laughs> Pixar, it didn't happen. I, I I do like the idea that the notion Pixar didn't happen implies that there was no such thing as history before like <laughs> the late 1800s. Engraving or it didn't happen. <laughs> right. Yeah, daguerreotype or it didn't happen. And that, that actually that what is happening now is the only reason that reality is allowed to exist is that there are actually secret cameras <laughs> recording everything. And the places where there aren't, oh. it just stops existing. So Be careful where you drive. So we owe a huge... Uh a huge round of thanks to the NSA yep. <laughs> for, for making sure that we continue to exist. So much, so many of the entries that were cut from Samuel Pepys' diary were like, woodcut of your tits or GTFO. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, make a plaster mold. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Remember when uh, our friend Roy had a pinata that he yeah. made out of... Uh, he he had every girl that he dated for a really long time, I it was also and a lot of friends. girls that he didn't date. Yeah. Uh, he made he made plaster casts of their breasts, and uh, and then made a pinata with just a bunch of breasts of girls that he had you know gotten casts of. And his wife made him get rid of it, not because of the breasts, but because it was a stupid piece of art. No, <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty good. Yeah, um, yeah, it, it didn't really. It was a fun idea, I get. I mean, I'm sure it was, it was just fun to thing. look at a bunch of tits, but yeah. like, yeah, it just didn't look very cool at all. It did not look like a bunch of different girls' tits. It just looked like, yeah, I don't know, boobs, boob sphere. Yeah, you, you, you. It would have been indistinguishable at pinata distance from I, either that, or he just has a type, <laughs> right? Then one where it's <laughs> just the same boob over and over again. But yeah, so uh, what kind of pinatas have you guys been masturbating to? <laughs> I just like, you know, the standard rainbow donkey. I'm a traditionalist. It's like a cross between a rainbow party and a donkey show. (laughs) What's not to get an erection about? Uh, You know what's more interesting to me than rainbow parties is those parties where, uh, uh, just among things that do not happen (laughs) among the youth of today, is those parties where everybody pours all of their parents' medication into one big bowl and then takes all the pills. That doesn't sound fun. I don't, no, it doesn't. My because, parents didn't have any sure. Good it's like, medicine. oh man, I rolled the dice and I got like four arthritis Lipitor. pills yeah. and yeah, and some Lipitor. Like, <laughs> yeah. okay, good. Oh, good I deal. guess I won't have an epileptic seizure. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I reached into the pill. I reached into the bowl and I took one of those pills that just severs your corpus callosum. <laughs> so if you have if you have parents that are on like Valium and Ritalin, right? Like maybe that would be vaguely interesting in sort of a Russian roulette sense and aspirin right <laughs> sugar pills right uh, some of them are just participating in studies, studies so yeah. just a bunch of placebos <laughs> yeah. yep. a bunch of gummy vitamins 
Have you ever have you ever taken any Ritalin or any Valium? No. Nope. I kind of want to steal some of your girlfriend's Valium. Yeah. Well, I want to steal. My mom would hit you. Probably. Oh, would she? Yeah. Maybe I'll trade her some <laughs> weed for some Valium next time I see her. Yeah. That is, probably, she would probably yeah, be all about that. The fact that I'm not even kidding about that is, uh, man, my mom, you know, she's great. I love her. She doesn't but have she any, doesn't have any drugs. She doesn't have any drugs. Yeah, that's the, that's the, yeah, yeah. That's the downside, I mean, I guess. my mom lives in New Mexico now, right? So. Oh, sure. She's a crystal meth kingpin. Yep. That's <laughs> things. Everybody who moves there things has just to keep going worse apply and worse. the trade. Have you been Have you been watching Breaking Bad, Riff? No, I have not seen a single episode of it. Okay, I I'm I'm not recent or I'm not recent. I'm not current. Uh, I have not seen any recent episodes. Uh, I read one article about discussing the how the chemistry in that show is actually pretty accurate, and a lot of the things that the guy talks about in perfecting his recipe are actually real world considerations and stuff and how and how it's all really accurate up until the one bit at the end of the recipe where there's like one particular problem i think in in how you end up with half the molecules being the wrong handedness chirality yeah and apparently the character has solved this but they never explicitly say in the show how he solved it and so the 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 article had some scientists you know, making a couple. Oh, is of that why his stuff is so? Yeah, it's what so does, good. Is that it's all it's it's all the all the molecules are going the right way. What does methamphetamine of the wrong chirality do? Probably nothing. <sighs> Almost all organic compounds that are yeah. are the wrong chirality just do nothing, which is like why. Like, thalidomide was such a weird exception because like yes. mm-hmm. it the it the wrong chirality of thalidomide is still effective as a drug but then it also causes birth defects. I don't know if it's still effective. <clears throat> Maybe it still is, but it's it has all sorts of really negative uh repercussions. Have they when I when we a lot of drugs have both chiralities in them and then like a special like a special like refined version of it will have all the the right-handed ones or whatever. I think I think most human biological processes maybe most all world biological processes are like right-handed chirality in general as it should be yeah well because the left side is sinister yep. yeah <clears throat> yeah left-handed people man <laughs> something wrong with them Demons. well are you left-handed riff nope which, you seem which, like a guy that would be left-handed. Both my parents are left-handed. Oh. And, and, this, and this is a point of contention and confusion for them. Well, <laughs> is it possible not, that you're not, not actually their child? No, it's, it's not hereditated. <laughs> it's it's more of one of those, it's like a family running joke. Mm. The the contention that I... That you were adopted by the mailman. Yeah, or, 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 or that I deliberately chose to be right-handed despite them, or... <laughs> <laughs> or maybe you popped out before the uh, left-handedness was cooked into you <laughs> by your mother's faulty oven. <laughs> sure. <laughs> We're, I, I'm not making that up, right? Weren't you? No, yeah, weren't you I, like super premature? Yeah, I was like ten weeks premature. Yeah, so they had to like they had to put you in an incubator. Yep. It was a chicken incubator because that was all they had. Yeah, so that I mean that's real cute. I had some fun neighbors. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what about you, Kevin? Were you premature? I was not. I, you I were was, extremely low birth weight because of your mother's uh, your mother's decision to smoke while no, she was pregnant. No, I you. was. I was very. You were fat late. as fuck. Uh, and I was. I was a heavy baby. I mean, I don't like leaving there either. The womb. Yeah. So. So after you were born, were you put in a time cubator? <clears throat> the four sided truth. No. They discovered a time cube. 
Yeah. They discovered some weird yeah, version thing. of the time cube that encompasses all of reality and everybody's taking it very seriously as a science. Do you do you Man. think that it is a discovery or do you think it was somebody <laughs> who made it up? Uh, is this a question about whether math exists in the world or... Okay. Fundamentally, well, yeah. I don't think we're going to answer it on this podcast, <laughs> fellas. Okay, well, we should start a new podcast. Uh, we know where fuck we, all about yeah, where we let's, let's, argue this yeah, kind of thing. Yes, the, argue this thing that, that you are the only one of us, I think, barely comprehends what this thing might be. <laughs> I mean, I remember in high school having this argument, and we were we were just we split evenly among my friends down the middle. Like people were like, "There are no such things as new ideas," and people were like, "Of course there are new ideas. That's how things progress." Yeah. And uh, it was we, we for weeks we would just like make sni- snippy comments back and forth at each other until we came <laughs> up with something else to argue about. I don't remember where we uh, where we came down on it when we discussed it last time. Do you think that math is is a is a human construct or a fundamental feature of the universe? I think it's a human construct. <clears throat> yeah. I think that, that even if it isn't, we have no way of knowing. I think you have to define math before I'm willing to participate in that discussion. Huh. So I mean, you I know who makes the Beth math? Beth. <laughs> is is Beth, Beth math? <laughs> Beth math. Uh, it's short for Elizabeth Mathematics. Is is like the number? Like let's say quantity. Like let's let's start with set theory. Can you say that there like is are two there, these two microphones sitting in front of us? Are uh-huh. there? It does does that notion of two exist external to human beings? I don't know that it does. Right. Be- it, it is impossible. I would argue that it is impossible for us to even like talk about it because everything we know about the world is seen through the human cognition right so there's no the idea of trying to talk about what is objective in the universe is fundamentally impossible it's it's fundamentally impossible for any of us to to experience the the and i can understand i can understand the idea that there is an objective universe and there might be but the idea that any of any human concept adheres to an objective external universe just seems conceded to me Hmm. but operating under that assumption seems like it just renders you incapable of ever really considering anything no i mean right i I mean humans humans there's a human framework that we have lived within and obviously works from day to day like it's does anything exist if there's no one to observe it i i don't know Uh, you know the 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 little the little sort of buddhist like philosopher in me says that maybe perception precedes reality mm. but i don't know how did we get here then there there is something that exists but it's not necessarily the the you know you can't like knock on the table and say that that is you it. can't knock on the table if there's no you yeah i mean that that is certainly true right um, that would be funnier if the word knock had a you in it <laughs> sure you can't bump <laughs> you the table can't if knock. there's no you because then it would just be a digital picture <laughs> <on the> table. <laughs> Yeah, uh, there is a there is a part of me that finds it hard to imagine an objective reality in which one and two are not different mm-hmm. in such a way that two is double the amount. Understanding that double is a concept that I made up and I'm and I'm well, bringing to this, but like, what? Why do we even necessarily differentiate these two objects? Right, like, like. Well, so there, there are things that we have learned about the way that matter in the universe works, in which the numbers and configurations of things that we, at least at this point in our understanding of science, think of as fundamental. And so, and those, 
those do operate according to like basic arithmetic principles. Mm-hmm. And so like number of number of atoms number in, of in pro, hydrogen number of rather protons, than of helium. Yeah, 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 do this is I mean the, the answer to this question might might be naively answerable but like uh, if you if you had two teams on a field and atoms and and uh, players were coming and going sort of willy-nilly from either team um, would you necessarily say that that those two things had identity in the same well, way? You know, so there's the XKCD thing. If you have a boat and you take yeah, apart sure. the boat and you you build the same boat again out of the same parts, is it the same boat? Right. I mean, well, and the, I mean the the classical the classic philo- philosophical quandrum is like, do you you take a boat and you replace a plank and then you yeah. replace another plank and like you rebuild the whole boat at every point it still has its basic structure except for the the one thing that you've removed and replaced or whatever and then you build this you build the boat out of the original parts which one's the original boat uh, and you know, our human bodies almost all of the all of the atoms in it have, have been replaced. so that's the thing that is said certainly that every seven years you are made of entirely new cells i don't know that i believe that that's true because i've only heard that as an anecdote i've had this tattoo for longer than seven years okay so that's interesting. You might have grown new skin over it. Have you ever cut it? Uh, it got cut into slightly when I had my soldier soldier. Your when soldier? I had my soldier surgery. Yeah, when I had my soldier <laughs> come here and shoot me. Like you're mine. Why did you? Wait. <laughs> like, oh, sorry. I suck at this. So, yeah. uh, has anything exciting happened to you guys in the last week? I know it's been uh, we've been uh, just working yeah. you know, and um, preparing for our. Tenth fucking annual Kingdom of Loathing convention here. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. What is wrong with us that we have been working on this on a single project for ten years? Well, the project overabundance is, of awesomeness. The project is successful, and I mean, I mean, you know, like, what is law? What is wrong with Stephen Hawking that he's been just doing fucking physics for ten years? Yeah, I mean, aren't you supposed to get something new every five years? Isn't that isn't that how it's, how once humans you, are supposed to work? You're once you master something, once you, you move on Gladwell to something else. master something, yeah. So you're supposed to every five years, according to according to good old Mal. Wow, every five. Yeah, right. Yeah. Ten thousand hours, because that's ten thousand hours. Five yep. years is oh, okay. five years at forty hours a week is ten thousand hours. So you master something, and then you're like, all right, fuck this, I'm out. Yeah, as soon as you've mastered it, you're done. Yep. Yeah, exactly. I, I feel like I would want at least a couple of years to enjoy my mastery. <laughs> I wonder if I've mastered watching TV yet. (laughs) You still make a mistake every now and then. Yeah. I've probably mastered video games. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. I think you must be a video game master. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, I have that book, Jeff Rovin's Secret of the Video Game Masters. Secrets of the Video Game Masters. Oh, also, I have a tin of secrets of the Video Game Masters (laughs) in case I get a video game sore throat. Have you guys been playing any video games? Well, first of all, do you have any stories? Do you have any anecdotes? Do you have anything that has happened to you in the last week that is worth talking about? Mm, I watched an anime that you don't want to hear about. Damn right you did. <laughs> I watched a bunch of movies. I've been working like 16 hours a day and then, is that right, 14 hours a day? And then going home, watching a movie, falling asleep and starting over. Your boss must be a real dick. <laughs> No, it's great. It's it's been it's been fun. I've I have 
I managed to make part of my job solving complicated logic puzzles, which was cool. Oh, yeah, that's right. You were telling me about a three-dimensional Sudoku you'd invented, which sounded horrifying. Yeah, it was it was particularly bad in that like it was not created with, with the constraint that it actually be solvable. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> so I would I would get down to like the last couple of like constraints and be like, ah, oh, god damn it. And uh and then just adjust things until I only had to like fake <coughs> fake one or two entries in there to make it more or less work out. Mm. Um yeah. Well I'm I'm assuming that people will enjoy the fun spy game that they'll be playing yeah. at Casino Night. That's on the Friday. Thing, the thing that is ridiculous about this is that it is possible that no one will notice or care the amount of the balance that you put into yeah. it. I mean, it is certainly yeah. possible that the the total number of people who will play multiplied by the total number of hours they will spend playing it will amount to less time than you, you spent, spent designing, <laughs> designing it. Yeah, yeah. yeah I spent. Totally I mean, my only contribution to this was coming up with like three or four lists of funny words, and I even I put more time into that than expected because I wanted all the words to be memorable and also not sound so similar to each other that they would be indistinguishable in a crowded room. Good. And I'm things glad like that that was that was something that yeah. I was that I was curious as to whether or not that was going to be an issue with this thing. It's entirely possible. <laughs> That's <laughs> the thing. This is a this is a this is going to be an untested un unplay tested first draft. <laughs> what was Anna from Deus Ex's kill phrase? I don't uh, remember. I don't remember. Did they actually tell you, or did you just you know say it? it. You, you can do. learn. You can learn it and say it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you can learn both of them. They were kind of dumb, if I recall. Yeah, they were weird. Well, okay. What was Anna's last name? Paquin. <laughs> oh, okay. Karenina. <laughs> oh man, you know what I learned today? Huh. <clears throat> so uh, uh, a private detective is sometimes called a private dick, mm -hmm. and is sometimes called a private eye but it's never called a dick eye. Hmm. That's right. I remember that came up and then I wondered if there was a guy called Private Dick Eye who could be Private Dick Eye or Private Dick Eye. Or I, Private Dick. <laughs> yes. But is that like iRobot? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Or yeah, that a. was a good video game. <laughs> iRobot was not a very good video game. No, it wasn't. Um, was it? I think it was made by the same guy that made Tempest. Wait, could be iRobot? Mm-hmm. Was it a video game? Yep. There was a there was an early '80s arcade game called Iro. It was one of the I first with games. The letter I. I, co I colon I comma, comma a machine for pigs. <laughs> uh, it, it was a it was, wow, a was very... would the sequel be I I robot? <laughs> yeah, well, because it's, it's like, yeah because you're looking it up in the phone book. The name of the game was actually Robot One, <laughs> and so the sequel would be Robot okay. Two. Uh, it was Man. like the first. Uh, it was. It was 1983 or 84 i think and it was like full-on polygons yeah. rendered in 3d but the gameplay just wasn't very good huh um it was it was technically impressive sort of cuberty sort of yeah. yeah i played i played maybe 10 minutes of it at california extreme and didn't end up with anything to feel or say about <laughs> it and so just kind of yeah so have you been playing any other video games besides iRobot? Uh, I played, there's a, a game that I tweeted a link to called, um, I, 
if I'm not mistaken, it was called Burly Sailor. Yeah, I mentioned it last week or the week before. Yeah, it was, that was that was pretty fun. Cute little like three minute beat 'em up hand drawn game. I, I really, really like three minute game. It's well, yeah. I, I would. I think you'd be hard pressed to spend more than ten minutes playing it. But it has a really good central conceit to it. Yeah, that is worth. And the art style is great. Yeah, and you're you're not articulating it because it would spoil the experience yes. for someone yes. who hasn't played it. It, okay. it, would, it would ruin the surprise. <clears throat> well, yeah. okay. That's that's definitely worth looking up. So you played three minutes worth of video games this week. I put, well, <laughs> I also played... Um, we were talking a week or so, a couple of episodes ago, about the Wario Land games. Yeah. And the uh, Wario Land 3, which was the last one in which Wario was completely invulnerable and had no health... Uh, just recently came out on eShop. And I, I remembered enjoying the second one, so I bought the third one and played a few minutes of it, and turned out it was not not as much fun as I remembered that mm. series of game being. Because although, like, having no health and being completely invincible removes the problem of, you know, not being able to figure out the puzzle because you keep dying... They sort of replace that with the the penalty for being hit instead of dying is being like knocked off of the platform you were trying to jump to or whatever and having to walk back three screens oh, to get no. there so that you can try again. And it's it's like that for basically everything, and it was uh, that that gets so annoying real tedious. fast. And like not just the having to walk back, but because all the the different uh, enemies do different things to you, like they set you on fire or whatever. So every time a guy sets you on fire when you didn't want to be set on fire, you have to sit and watch the animation of being on fire running around, and it takes like 10 or 15 seconds before you're not on fire anymore and can get back to whatever you were trying to do. So it's uh, it was pretty tedious. But I don't know. Maybe I just had more patience when I was a kid. What was what was the platform for that originally? Uh, I believe Warland Two was just Game Boy, but Three was Advance Game Boy Advance. Okay. Whichever one I played, whichever one was the Ambassador game that we talked about a little bit while we were still in San Francisco. I think that was Four. Okay. And, and that was the one that where ordinary enemies dealt damage to you. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I miss this whole genre of game. Not genre. I miss this whole hmm. series I mean, it's an, of games. It's an interesting idea, right? Where like all the, like, instead of having like a Metroidvania where you need to get the special sort of gun that lets you knock down these specific bricks. Right. Instead, you'll have to find an enemy to give you the effect that lets you knock down those bricks, like setting you on fire, which lets you get through the burnable. Did they not do any of that in the Kirby games? Like, I feel like that's the sort of the central conceit of the Kirby games, but I am also not. Yeah. I think there was one, like maybe a Game Boy Advance one or something that I played all the way through on an emulator many years ago Hmm. as my sort of introduction to the Kirby series, but I don't, I should listen to like a Retronauts about the mm. Kirby series if there is one. Pretty because much that... all I know about Kirby is Kirby Pinball. Hmm. So wasn't the wasn't that's there all that... I know about Metroid? <laughs> Kirby game where you you drew the lines. What was it? What oh right, yeah, oh, the right. Canvas okay. Curse. Yeah, yeah was, and then there was, was Kirby. I played a little bit of Kirby's Epic Yarn. Yeah, yeah, uh, I played a couple levels of that. Yeah, I didn't. I, didn't... I liked it a yeah. lot. I just never went back to it because yeah. it's a console game. 
right. console game and a platformer. Do you play anything interesting this past week? The only, uh, well, I mean, so I'm turning into Riff. So my uh, my Minecraft and Animal Crossing are just Hearthstone and Spelunky. Oh, yeah? Yeah. You still doing the daily challenge? Yeah. Nice. Doing very badly every time. <laughs> You're doing, so you've got a bunch of daily, li- li- real life daily quests now, which are like the New York Times crossword, the Spelunky daily challenge. I have, your I have Hearth, not. Your Hearthstone daily quests. I've not been on time. I, I was not immune to my approach to the New York Times thing where it's like I had it. I did it every day until they asked me for money and then I gave them some money and then I just stepped away from it for three months. But oh, wow. I've, been, I've been doing it again lately. Um, do you get, do you get access to the whole like 7,000 crossword archive or something? I don't, I don't know how far back it goes. I but, think, I think but, it's a yeah, bunch. I mean, could sort of do an arbitrary number of Crosswords. Really hard crosswords if you want to. Yeah. Um, you know, it's good. Yesterday there was a the, there was a the understanding that there are like tricks to them. Not every day, though. right? No, but later later in the week there are often tricks to them. That has made me a lot more interested in it. Like mm-hmm. yesterday, the trick was to figure out that any word in which the letters T E N appeared, it they were Just they were them. elided. So. And it, and it became like it was there were just really confusing clues until right. you figured it out. And then something, oh, and then you can suddenly go back and fill out like 12 clues because right. you suddenly know the trick. Right. And that yeah, is really that is satisfying. Super satisfying. But what what always ends up happening to me is that I'll end up with one missing cell that is just the intersection of two proper nouns that I don't know. And that right. there's no way for me to know. You know, I don't feel bad not filling in that square, though. Right. Like that's that's yeah. OK. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I've gotten to the point where it's just like, I just do this until I run out of steam and then I just don't feel bad about myself for not finishing it. You know? Right. Yeah. But when I, when I used to do them in the paper, when I was uh, working my warehouse job, I, yeah, fill it all in until I recognize that the last few cute clues are just stuff I'm not going to get without looking up the trivia right. and just fill those in with gibberish. <laughs> the, the, puzzle that i did most recently the new york times sunday crossword that i did most recently was uh the theme was capital l's and the way that it worked was that there were clues that would come like either down or from the left and then they would intersect and then bounce off of each other and like make a 90 degree turn um and so the clues were were like 90 degree turns and then straight across the, the the sort of combination of where those two clues met was a state capital, hmm. which is why it, why it was capital L's. And then the, the down clues were just just gibberish, and they didn't have clues down below. So it was like it was like it was just structured pretty weird. And you're like, why do these clues not have any actual clue? They're just like question mark, question mark, or whatever. <laughs> and yeah, it was figuring that out took a long time. But then once we did, it was it opened up all kinds of. That was really satisfying. That's pretty cool. I should start. I should start looking at those again. There's often like multiple letters in a single square, or they probably have a really good iPad app. I think the think phone. So, yeah. The phone one is good. Yeah. It's. I am. Um, I find myself fat fingering a lot of the time, and I won't notice that I've put the wrong letter in a in a thing. Is I'm just like typing a word, or I'll just does like, that? Do they do the thing where you, if you put a wrong letter in it, immediately let you know? No. Um. You can. Yeah. You might be able to throw it into that mode. It, you can't unlock a puzzle if it's the puzzle from today. Like a puzzle has to be at least 24 hours old for you to be able to get the answers mm. to it, which, I mean, that's probably when they publish the answers mm. in the newspaper. Right. right. But, um, but yeah. Um, 
But yeah, I guess, you know, yeah, the Spelunky Daily Challenge is interesting. I, you know, I'm not any good at it. And I'm not getting better at Spelunky very fast well, by one playing game one a game a day, you know. But it's like... Uh, Man, just watching the speedruns makes it look so easy, yeah. and, and I'm sure it's it's just hundreds or thousands of hours of practice to get to that point. And Hearthstone, years. yeah, Hearthstone just continues to be fun. I just I like playing it. Hmm. I don't think I've ever seen you lose. I've I've been losing a bunch lately. Yeah, yeah. I um one of the daily quests that I got was to win five games as a priest. And I don't know if I just don't have a very good priest deck put together, but it took me probably 15 games to win those five. Hmm. Like, I mean, their matchmaking is shooting for 50, 50. Sure. Right. And so it's, I had a, had the worst, the arena, which is like the draft or the sealed deck thing. I played one of those today where I just lost three games in a row and it was game over. Wow. That's sort of got, what is, what is the prize when you, that is it a deck of you always get one pack of cards okay. you can get multiple i've i've at, at once i got two packs of cards and that was without winning that many but you just get more gold in the sort of crafting dust that you use to make okay your own cards um you i mean you're when you say make your own cards you're pulling cards from the library of available cards right well sure you're not you don't get to like make up your <laughs> yeah, own like, card like oh this is a 10 10 zero yeah, cast 10 10 for zero cost and the picture's a dick <laughs> um i yep. call it tassadar's dick uh but yeah it's just it's just fun it's just fun i was i played uh I, I, my, uh, I didn't win any games with this, but the Warlock has this card that's like, it's pretty cheap and you play it, and when the minion comes into play, it destroys the minions to its left and to its right and absorbs their stats into its own. So, Whoa. it's super neat. Huh. Um, and then the enemy immediately destroys it. Sure. <laughs> because it's too much of a threat. But, but still... I mean, given if you had two really strong cards, making one really strong card is kind of neat. But then a lot of classes have a way to just, you know, Rogue has just for like three mana, they just can destroy any minion. Um, I didn't, have you been finding a lot of opportunities for interesting card combos? Because that, that was sort of the thing that I felt was unsatisfying. Like there's a lot of, like some of the cards do something interesting, but not, many of them seem to do anything that can be very much affected by any other card? Well, the base sets, the ones that you unlock just by by playing and not by actually earning, like, using gold or money to buy cards, Mm -hmm. don't do a ton of that. I know, like, the main deck that I've been playing is a Shaman deck, and most of the interesting Shaman stuff is centered around the overload mechanic, which is, like, it you spend like these spells or or summons or whatever cost a certain amount of mana but then they also lock some of your mana for the following turn mm. so it's like just it's spending mana from the future to to use these spells more cheaply than they would normally be and there's a lot of cards that i guess there's not a lot of cards there's there is a there is a card that is cheap to cast but gets significantly more powerful every time you cast a spell with overload okay. um but there aren't any spells with overload in the base set. They all are later, higher order cards that you get out of the actual packs. Okay. Um, and I think that you said you know, that like the druid trope is that it gets more mana faster than other. 
Yeah, and has Classes. a lot of like druids and paladins have a lot of things that will buff minions very cheaply. I mean, I guess shaman does too. Shaman gives the they've got a pretty cheap spell that gives wind fury, which just lets a minion attack twice. It's sort of like double strike in Magic: The Gathering. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. There's 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 plenty of like playing the arena mode. You get access to a random selection of just every card that exists, and so you get to play around with a lot of stuff. And you never know. Like, the the classes seem to have a sort of a mechanical flavor. So you, like, warlocks spend life or spend mm-hmm. discarding cards to make more powerful things happen earlier. Um, and so you'll get a sense, like, well, okay, so this arena, this arena deck I'm making is a warlock deck, and so I am likely to be able to use these neutral cards that work well with these other specific things that I might get based on sort of what I know about the way the class plays. Hmm. Um, you know, I don't know. I Like, I can't sit and say that this is, like, the greatest game ever, but I enjoy playing it a lot. I mean, it's like, like I, I'm deriving the same satisfaction from it as I did from playing all that Magic 2014 that I did a couple months ago, except this I sort of feel much less like so it it simplifies things and this is why a lot of people are like sort of disregarding this as a ccg because it there is you don't have any decisions to make during your opponent's turn right ever right like no responses right which which is which there's no instance at all to them no there's not so well there yeah there's just sorceries basically yeah to two people who are really serious magic people who play magic in a way that i don't care to this game is like kid stuff. Mm-hmm. And to me, I'm like, well, I'm stupid as shit. So a game for kids is exactly the kind of game that well, I want to play. Because it basically gives you one additional land every round because you're just your max mana increases by one each round. And yeah, I guess it's so you have, and you have just nothing that, that happens on your opponent's turn at all well you there are secrets that you can play which just create a board state on your side that you know oh, about yeah, yeah. that that they don't like a trap right card. so yeah, yeah so the hunter has a card that is explosive trap say which is very cheap and it is just a thing that whenever any minion attacks you this deals two damage to all of their minions right so knowing what secrets what? all of the secrets are class cards and so you know within a set of a handful which ones they are so mm. part of being good at the game is like uh well so i know the paladin has a secret where when i summon a minion it reduces their attack to one or something and when then he also has one where when i attack him it does that amount of damage back to me so you will Summon a minion first, and maybe you will summon one that you don't care about in mm-hmm. case it's that first one. But then when it comes time to attack him, you will attack with the lowest attack power version first to try to trigger whichever one right. that is in the least harmful way. So, like, those are ways in which you are making things happen on your turn, but really no more so than, you know, it's just it's just an obfuscated board state. Right. right. You know, but then, like, the hunter has flare, which gets rid of stealth on all minions and also reveals any secrets or dispels dispels any secrets and then you also get to draw a card there's there's a bunch of stuff that i feel like they put in for flavor but then they realized that it just wasn't particularly strong like it wasn't even worth one mana so it's like do this and also draw a card huh um okay you know which is i feel like that's a trick they do in magic sometimes as just another way of like 
like sort of making it yeah sort of like a half out, mana yeah. discount or something you know um but yeah i don't know just just uh having fun with That's it cool and i i'm curious as to i wonder if the reason that i'm losing more is because generally people are just getting better at it and so it's like that i got to have my few weeks where nobody knew how to play starcraft and so playing starcraft online was kind of fun and you know do i just trust in their matchmaking I'm curious. Yeah. I mean, the matchmaking will work a lot better when there's a lot more people playing it, right? There will yeah. be a lot more people with, you know, there will be a lot more decks being played right now with data about how often they win and how often they lose and, you know, just a finer granularity of matchmaking. Like, I will routinely end up playing two or three games in a row against the same person. because. Oh, the, wow. Yeah, and so mm-hmm. the, the, because the matchmaking, there aren't that many people playing because right. it's limited release do you do the outcomes of those games tend to be 50 50 or do you do you tend to win when you're set up against the same player two or three times do you win two or three times or lose i mean what times? what you draw has a big effect on it well, sure. you know? and i mean i'm sure that the like i don't know i don't really have a good sense of like in a game after the after the deck has been constructed right which i feel like that's where most of the skill is although serious magic players would probably disagree with me in ways that I just don't understand because I'm no good at it. But once you're in the game, I don't really know to what extent skill affects the outcome and to what extent the luck of the draw Hmm. affects the outcome because you're still strategizing, right? Because you could, you could hold back cards to wait to see what they're doing, but then you're, you're, you know, you're risking losing board control you units. regularly hold back powerful cards and then just kill them out of nowhere in one turn the shaman is especially suited for that because of bloodlust yeah because of bloodlust um and that druid also has a has a slightly weaker slightly cheaper similar card to that interesting but yeah it's good stuff i also finished a machine for pigs oh i need to go back to that so if I my I'm at right at the very beginning where you get into the graveyard and go in the church. Mm. So how far along am I? Quarter of the way, huh, maybe. Okay. Yeah. Um, I got stuck on the first level, and I had to ask Riff how to get through it because I just I didn't figure out one of the things that you had to move to open yeah. one of the secret passages in the beginning because I just never happened to mouse over it and see the oh. it was the interesting that we had hand. we had the opposite problem because I also missed one of those triggers but it was the other one. Oh, did you have to look it up? I didn't have to look it up but I spent a long time wandering around mm. before I finally looked in my huh. journal and and realized what I was missing. Yeah, and I mean I realized I'd I'd, you know, found the one in this one room but i did not find the one that was this one thing and then the journal entry was the name of the thing and the name of the room yeah. and i was like oh well <laughs> fuck they they were really trying to there there was a thing that before before i talk about the game in in the specifics that i'm going to there was a there was a thing that it kind of made me think about which was that people will decry the handholdiness of things like you know say skyrim where there aren't really any tricky puzzles in skyrim because everything is always just sort of pointing at the thing that you're supposed to go to next and like 
MMOs where it's like the next step in this quest is survive the ambush, <laughs> but you haven't been ambushed yet. So then you just like, oh, okay, well, the quest tracker has just told me that I'm about to be ambushed. And this game, going for atmosphere and issuing, say, like having a map and having any sort of pointers as to where to go next is an interesting decision from an atmospheric standpoint, but it puts a greater responsibility on the people designing the thing to make the puzzles comprehensible. And so when they miss step by just a little bit, it becomes extremely frustrating because there is no guidance. You don't know what to do next and there is no guidance. And the only walk when I just went to look at a walkthrough, but I could not find a single textual walkthrough. All there were was fucking YouTube videos, which I was just unwilling to unwilling to deal with. So I just went to bed and then the next day I talked to you and you told me how to get through it. And then the next time I sat down to play, I just played it until I, until I finished it because I wanted to, to play through it. But that just, I wonder if they decided not to include a map or if they just realized they wanted to create environments that would make it so a map was a logistical pain in the ass. Mm. And so they then decided not to. I mean, every level after that one that I've played so far, it feels like if you had a map, it would just emphasize how completely linear they are. Yeah. And and that's that's true. I mean, it, it gets it gets much easier to figure stuff out. Um, I mean, I remember being able to wander around somewhat in Amnesia, but it it was relatively linear, right? Like, so I mean, I remember when you when you are in like a series of hallways and there's like a library and you're going through and just looking through a lot of desks and stuff. That was fairly. I mean, it was as it was as open as as. Half-Life level, you know, which I mean, Half-Life gets criticized for just being like a hallway, but it didn't, it didn't feel like it was super linear. Hmm. I mean, I guess that's the important thing, right? Like if you feel like there are a bunch of branches and options, then even if you are kind of being constrained. Right. You're going to get, you're going to get the satisfaction of having figured it out, even though you didn't really figure it out. You know, it's just that there was only really one way for you to go and that's the way that you went. But this game, I remember thinking about Tron Legacy and thinking, I don't know that I disliked, I don't know that I felt like it failed as a movie so much as I felt like it failed as a sequel to Tron. Mm-hmm. And this game, if you had presented it to me as Dear Esther 2, right. I would have said, wow, they have done some awesome shit with that but because it was presented as amnesia 2 it very much felt like it failed to live up to that just because it was not scary at all so why is it an amnesia game it's a good question and like this is this is an amnesia game made by a different studio than made the original yeah it was made by the dear esther guys right like so yeah what why why was it that? entirely made by? I thought it was a collaboration. It was published by the Amnesia guys, okay. but made by the Chinese Room is what mm. is what all the credit stuff said. And it was, I mean, it was, it was every bit a Dear Esther. Yeah. I might have been the same narrator, but was the narration procedural? Was it? I don't linear? think so. I think it was. I think just it was a straight all, script. Yeah, I think it was just a straight script. 
it just it seems like a weird fit right because i guess there were things there were a couple of sort of unsettling things about dear esther but that nothing that you would call scary and i just assumed that they were going to change up that formula pretty significantly to, to make an amnesia sequel that was really terrifying. well i mean they did right they yeah. did change up the dear esther formula like you your interactions with the environment are lamp is on or not lamp attracts enemies of which there are i think three in the entire game two of which are the same and one so of which is leave the oh you mean similar. three different kinds of enemies no. or th- no. three total three three guys three total dudes so you just leave the light on most of the time yeah you leave the light on all of the time because also getting killed by an enemy doesn't do anything except reset you and the enemy is in a different place so you can just try all of the all of the places where you're interacting with enemies are just sort of environments that are mazes not because they are mazes but because they are dark okay and if you get seen which is more likely to happen if you have the lantern out then you just get the shit beaten out of you and then you respawn at the beginning of the maze and or at some other sitting, spot in sitting the in the dark doesn't make you go crazy nope yeah. there's no sanity yeah. meter there is i was there really is, surprised that they took the out the sanity there, and there the, is they that, took out essentially all of the all of the interesting game, mechanics yeah. all of the game mechanics that is insanity <laughs> <laughs> but that's i mean that that was like the fundamental trade-off in amnesia was that was what made amnesia really scary right was not being able to Hiding in the corner, having to putting hide, your, just yeah. facing the corner because yeah. you were you didn't want to see just listening anything. to the uh, noise it made. That was terrifying. I remember I remember knocking on the door while you were playing Amnesia with your headphones on. You didn't hear me, and I opened the door and you turned around and were just freaked out. Like you screamed. Yeah, because no, it, it was terrifying. That that is disappointing. That it like because I feel like the the legacy of this is is it it's a game that wants to be scary but it's not that's the the problem though is that a machine for pigs is very good it's just mm-hmm. not yeah it is not a good sequel to amnesia no. i huh. mean i i i wouldn't say that it was entirely unscary i found it like unsettling and creepy and i had a big old frown on my face the whole time but it's disturbing yeah, right like yeah. it but it has a bunch not, of it has a bunch of things going on that when you think about them it's like Ugh. it's but yeah. it's but it's more you know, it's more more Twilight Zone than mm-hmm. Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah. Kind of. You know, yeah. it's not. Hmm. But yeah, it's. And Nightmare on Elm Street is a bad example. I like. I mean, it's more Twilight Zone than fucking Amnesia: The Dark Descent. You know, like it's. <laughs> but yeah, it's you know the, the 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 some of the stuff that you're interacting with is is neat, but it also feels like a lot of the, a lot of the puzzles sort of got the legs chopped off of them in playtesting because there are things. Where, like, earlier, a thing that looked like this was interactable and part of a puzzle, but this one just isn't hooked up to anything, and the puzzle is much simpler, you know, or... And and, and the, 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 the enemies just not being a threat, because all it did when you got killed by an enemy was give you another chance, which was just another sort of roll of the dice to where the enemy is in this thing and are you going to run into him before you figure out where the exit is or not you know i wish that someone i wish that there was a game that could figure out how to do the good parts of that call of cthulhu mm-hmm. the dark corners of the earth i mean i think that there is that game and it is 
like the first hour of yeah. Call of Cthulhu, the dark corners <laughs> of the earth, right? And and that, that that just needed to be a thing that was just a horror game, yeah. which didn't have to suddenly become a shooter and pad itself out to yeah, if, however if, many hours. If it had been, yeah, an hour, an hour and a half, or however long it was, and the game just ended with you successfully escaping those guys chasing you after the hotel, that would have been perfect. Yeah. I mean... Maybe you could resolve the story, story right? And in, in, even even in a bad way, but yeah, but it, right. I I can recommend a machine for pigs. I, as as far as I remember, the the Dunwich Horror of the or whatever the original story that would be where the story ends. Is him just leaving? Yeah, pretty much. As far as I recall, is that in the doom that came to Innsmouth? Is that Innsmouth, uh, Sarnath? Well, I forget. I'm trying to. Th- I mean, it's Innsmouth. is the Lovecraft Dungeon. city that was the, that had the fish. Yes, yeah, yeah. thing Dungeon going Horror on. Horror was a different one. Um, yeah. God, what was the Innsmouth one called? I don't remember what the name of the story yeah, was. Yeah, no, I can't. That's what I'm trying to think of. Well, hey, whatever. Yeah. I mean, you should you riff. You should keep playing it. Kevin, you should play it. Okay, I mean, it's considering because... that it's 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 upsetting. I find it upsetting playing with it, playing it, but not so upsetting that I can't finish it. I can't handle it. Yeah. yeah. So so it's in that regard, it is like Silent Hill two, and unlike <laughs> Fatal Frame. So <laughs> you couldn't finish Fatal Frame. No, it was too scary. I remember playing a little bit of the first one. And I don't think I quit because it was scary. I think I just quit because it was a console game. Mm. <laughs> I wonder if they've made a PC port of Fatal Frame. Maybe. But yeah, that that was it. That was all I played. What about you, Kevin? I the only the only non assignment game I played was a uh, was an iOS title um, called Pivot with two V's P I V V O T. Uh, it reminds me probably closest to Super Hexagon in the way that it plays. Uh, you are a you're a little sort of, it's an abstract game. So you're kind of like a little conical section on a, um, on a track. And you don't control the speed at which you're moving on the track. You just control your rotation, your pivot around the track, basically. Um, so you can sort of, you don't hit the track, so you can be any of the 360 degrees in orientation to the track. And then there are just sort of these regular... Um, sort of disruptions along the track that you have to be correctly oriented to or move around correctly um, in order to get past. And they have like two modes, which it's just sort of this, this sort of a voyage mode where you sort of learn what all of them are and then sort of encounter them in a random order. And then there's the endless mode where you're just going through the sequence of them over and over and it gets faster and faster and you see how long you can go. Um, and it's, it's all right. It's a, the controls are a little frustrating in that it's just rotate clockwise, rotate clock counterclockwise, and because the track rotates around and sometimes you're moving up and sometimes you're moving down or right or left, it is not intuitive which one is going to move you in which direction. I mean, it's always clockwise and counterclockwise, but those are just not, at least for my brain, those are not really sort of fundamental sort of control bits. Um Right. I mean, you know, so like a gyrus, for instance, does work that way where your only moves are clockwise and counterclockwise, but the direction, like the joystick, 
corresponds very naturally right. to where you're going. Yeah. As opposed to something like Tempest, where if it was actually important, you know, if it didn't take a long time for you to get from one end of the Tempest board to the other by rotating that thing, the rotation as the control would be a lot more Yeah, if you would be a lot more aggravating if if you were, could very rapidly flip 180 or 360 it, degrees. And it's also very sensitive, so you you can't you can't you don't have a lot of fine control over your rotation, which is important in some cases and so that that I would often hit a barrier that I didn't mean to because I like over I went too far the one way or like in my brain I was like oh I need to rotate this direction and then would just go the other direction because I just hit the other side because like the last time I wanted to go that way I was traveling on the path the different the other the opposite direction or whatever it's so it's cognitively difficult uh you know it's totally doable like you you definitely start your brain starts sort of being able to to adapt to those challenges but it was <clears throat> it was frustrating at times mostly because of the what I felt like was sort of the the weird con- control scheme but I, I think it's a good game I think it's worth it's worth picking up and checking out um, so I did not I have not played much Super Hexagon so I don't know if it if those kind of skills correlate what you're describing well. sounds more like a sort of endless runner kind of thing well, than, than like Super of. Hexagon I'm curious so like because Super Hexagon you are rotating a dot around to try to avoid these barriers which sure. are coming out that's that's exactly what you're doing with this, it's just instead of everything emanating from the center, it's well, sure, along a if, path. But if one epic night was described as a dot and the ways in which you move him between different positions was described as rotating, you could say that one epic night was the same as super hexagon. It's, sure, but it's I wonder super if, hexagon is a bunch of discrete, like, well, in fact, three discrete tracks, and this is, you know, 360 degrees of rotation, and... There's no there, like there are there are not there's a lot not like of, an analog aspect to no because there's there's a bunch of different solutions to a bunch of these like I think that you could watch two people play the game and they would have very different approaches to how they would bypass the the obstacles that they encountered because there are multiple ways of of doing it and and surviving well um, so the 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 level design is pretty good like it, the the initial run through took me like you know maybe an hour or whatever and then the expert level is much more interesting and challenging, and I've not yet gotten too berserk. How did you find this game? Uh, it was the free app of the day or the week on iTunes, mm. um, and somebody had just mentioned it, so I just got it just to check it out. And I don't remember that might have been a week or two ago because I hadn't uh, synced my phone in a while, so it just appeared on my on my screen. I was like, "Oh yeah, that's right, I downloaded this." Because I do things through iTunes instead of it's true. the phone itself. Oh, right. I got my best score on uh, A68 Hack. Oh, yeah? It was like 52 points. That's nice. It's not very good, but it's my best. I don't... Where am I in that? I, I don't... I, like, I will play it in bouts now of like three or four games in a row, and I always forget where I've left myself. I barely played I was in... I had fucking jury duty all day on Monday. Uh, it's just the worst waste of a day we walked we walked out at one point and i turned to this lady that i had kind of quasi befriended as a result of me being juror number 11 and her being juror number 12 and i said i would honestly rather be in traffic school than (laughs) this like it was so (laughs) aggressively boring that uh but but i at for whatever reason all i did was read a book instead of playing 868 hack all day which is clearly what i should have done (laughs) my high score wouldn't be so embarrassing what book 
Uh, I read, uh, it was a book called The Basic Eight by Daniel Handler, the the guy who was the accordion player for the magnetic fields and also wrote uh, as Lemony Snicket, a oh. series of unfortunate events. He wrote I some other... I didn't realize those were the same guy. Yeah. Seems like an interesting dude. It was okay. It was about some... It was like, uh, it was sort of his answer to Heather's. Hmm. Like a sort of high school kids murder a dude. Hmm. What's new, Kevin? Uh, well, uh, to my great personal satisfaction, uh, Ouya has changed and overhauled their um, Free the Games fund, and Gridiron Thunder backed out of the program. So they're no longer getting uh, their funds matched. So this this must have been recent, because the... the Happened even, with, even as early six hours as ago. today, yeah, I yeah. was reading about it and I hadn't heard about this. So, yeah. so what 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 did they change? They changed. They totally revamped the whole fund, basically. So instead of having a fifty thousand dollars funding requirement, now it's ten thousand dollars. Okay. Um, for every ten thousand dollars that you raise, you have to have a hundred backers to to help eliminate um, fraud. Okay. Um, for every ten thousand dollars that they give you, uh, that is a month of exclusivity on the on the console, but you can release on PC at the same time, and it doesn't doesn't impact that at all apparently. Yeah. Um, and I think all of these changes are very very fa- favorable for uh, Neverending Nightmares, the the game that it was by the, that the retro re- game. The retrograde guy. Yeah. Um, although he still needs to fund. Oh, and they will only fund you up to your funding goal. So what this okay. lets people do is have a Kickstarter. Where, okay, we need $50,000 to make this game. So we make a $25,000 Kickstarter, mm-hmm. right? Because if we get to $25,000, we'll get the other twenty five dollars from Ouya, right? Like that's, and like that is so much better. So yeah. they can have, yeah. they can have half of their costs. They're, so they're like, when they think, so what they said is, we think that a bunch of, you know, indie games could be made for $20,000 or less. Well, now you set your goal at 10000 you make the 10000 mm-hmm. And they'll give you the other ten thousand, and like that, like this is that makes so much so much. Yeah, yeah, this is like it just makes me feel that much better about the program. And you know, they like, you know, they owned up to just being screwed up, and that they, you know, they want to make things right or whatever. And that's that's great. And then the other half of it being that Gridiron Thunder backed out, and I, I don't know what what if any back room discussions there were, or if. Uya is giving them some money to make up for what they probably lost and having to refund the the mm-hmm. sort of probably not real <laughs> backers. Um, yeah, I mean, at, at minimum, having to refund, having to uh, to to eat Kickstarter's cut. Right, the the five percent so, to yeah. Kickstarter and the three percent to Amazon or whatever. So, yeah, I, like you know, I, it just makes me feel a hundred times better about about just the state of the world that this was not allowed to 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 go on on. Uh, unobstructed i don't know i was just i was really it really upset me i and i don't know why it was just this weird visceral thing where it's like this this like giant loophole that somebody else exploited when a bunch of people pointed it out and the people who had power to stop it just didn't stop it well you don't do you know what i mean yeah i feel like you have this special sensitivity to loopholes because i'm constantly like looking for them and you but you want you want them to be either used for good right used quietly for evil <laughs> or patched right right and yeah. so this was none of those things it was not patched it was used loudly for evil <laughs> and right. so it but like 
it, I feel like you saw it as a threat to the environment that you like, which is an environment rich with loopholes to silently <laughs> exploit. So, Fair enough. in case you guys ever wonder why, <laughs> oh, this so is not not true. When you when you when you were <laughs> a kid, true. listeners, maybe 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 some of our listeners are so young that they don't remember this. It used to be the case that when, say, Coca Cola did a promotion, you could open up Coca Cola bottle and look under the bottom of the cap, and it would say, "You win a duck. You win this friendly duck." <laughs> Um, because this was a Richard Garriott uh, Coca-Cola promotion. Uh, or you win a free Coke, or you win a whatever. Now, it's fucking some horse shit, like, it's an iTunes nothing, or it's a fucking it's, it's some code it's a QR to, code that you have, that you have to type to, into to a website or some shit yeah. somewhere. And the reason that that shit happens now, and that you never just get the occasional little thrill of like, oh, I won something by opening this Coke, is because of fucking Kevin. It's not, it is not because of me. It is explicitly and specifically <laughs> because of Kevin. There was a guy, the year after I had my summer of free Cokes, uh, there was a guy who posted online a guide to getting the uh, free iTunes songs. Because Pepsi, I think, yeah. like they had a really high one in three bottles gave you a free iTunes song, right? And so this became, for whatever reason, this was the threshold at which it was okay for a regular person to, to like, do this, where, like, you could you could sort of see under the cap and you could, like, go in and, and figure out which bottles were going to be the ones that had the free songs. And so you'd, you'd, you'd basically do that because it was, like, worth getting a dollar off of each bottle of Pepsi. So this wasn't really your fault, right? It was that guy's, I didn't publicize. It was that guy's fault because you didn't publicize it. And right. this is what you and I, you and I are, are of very similar minds on a lot of this kind of stuff. We get pissed off when like say a that fucking superhero champion of the people Jake Applebaum decides to publicize a vulnerability in the parking meters in mm -hmm. San Francisco mm -hmm. that make it so, well, I'm just trying to prove to them that these are fucking computers and they need to be responsible and that these things are being abused. It's the let's tell everybody about this before anybody finds out mindset mm -hmm. that sort of ruins everything, right? If like five guys knew how to get free parking by hacking these things, that would have been fucking fine. And it would have been way preferable to them having to spend millions of dollars replacing all the fucking parking meters because the vulnerability got posted publicly so that the abuse became an actual serious problem as opposed to a theoretical problem. It is an interesting story if there is a loophole and one guy secretly gets a handful of free cokes well, the, because you know, of the interesting loophole. It's the guy loophole. that got the f you know million frequent flyer miles from the yogurt or whatever. Sure, right. But once you once you put it out there and make the world worse for everybody because one guy got something that you don't think he was entitled to, or because you want the glory right. of exposing this mm -hmm. thing for what it is. I mean, you know, if they had been. And, and and I don't know that the world would have been better if the Gridiron Thunder people had been a little less shitty about this and a little less obvious about this and right. had gotten away with it. And then the program didn't have to change because it's it's arguably objectively better. The world is better now. That's true. Sure, but they. I mean, as you a know, result. But but I think but I think it's that same thing, right? It was it was a question of degree in this situation versus the free cokes situation because yeah. they clearly didn't care and I, you that know, you and it probably wasn't just you. It was probably you and like five other dudes in five other cities in the country that were doing this. I think you could probably argue reasonably that I was making 
the world a worse place for people who lived near me, <laughs> right? Because <laughs> I would true. just, I would literally you were the only one getting free. Uh, well, cokes. I would go to the store and I would just find all the free cokes and I would take those up to the front and, and I would. They didn't like this at all, but <laughs> I occasionally would go up to the store and just to the front of the store and just take the cap off the coke without you know not having opened it before and just hand it to them. Being like, here's, you know, here's payment. Here's for the cap co- for my free Coke, uh, the Coke <laughs> that, that I just, just got. <laughs> that does not I don't go like over that. well. That does that not go over well. well. That would not go over well. well with me if I were a store owner. And I would, I would ask you to leave and please do not ever come back, <laughs> sir. And you would have to find another store that was probably slightly less convenient for you to get to on your stupid rollerblades or whatever. Yeah. So you were making the world slightly worse for the because people Because nobody else was you. getting the free Cokes that lived within a, you know, two mile radius of me or whatever. But I would argue that that relative to the end result of the trick being publicized and then there never being another instant win cap again, that was an acceptable loss. And it sucks for those people. And I know that I know that like Linux assholes have a really hard time with the idea of accepting that something is flawed. And I know that there is this real propensity to let the perfect be the enemy of the good when you're dealing with a bunch of like 22 year old idealists. But I think the world was a better place when you could occasionally get a free Coke when you opened a bottle of Coke and there was one or two or three assholes like you creating these local suck minima black holes situations where nobody got it than the situation that we have now it was i mean the the kickstarter thing i i think i was i think i was a little disappointed that kickstarter did not just cancel the project because it there was just no situation that i could have imagined where it was a legitimately funded project interesting that that they somehow looked into it and decided everything. They, was they might not have looked into. It. Like I, I, mean, I don't. I, what, is, what I heard I was that they said that they didn't see anything wrong. I don't want Kickstarter to get trigger happy about pulling the plug on projects. Uh, that is that's and, true. And and I, again, perfect. The the case of perfect v good. Yeah. I am okay with some abuse happening so that. That, that 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 freedom generally can continue this, to be upheld. Yeah, I mean this this one is in not the system. This one, the, the weird thing about this one is that within Kickstarter's rules, it was basically fine, right? Because the people are going, the people who pledged are going to get their rewards. You know, so like it's not like anybody was being defrauded. Sure, it was it was just the fact that they were using this as a way. To circumvent the the overarching goals of both programs, right? But it's just you know what I don't want is for somebody to say, "Look, this this thing that this Jeremy Bornstein asshole is doing is clearly just some dumb joke. You shouldn't, it, on the off chance that that funds, you shouldn't let him take these people's money because what the fuck? This is a scam. I don't want Kickstarter stepping in there. By the way, people, you should totally go. Yeah, check you out should go Jeremy check Bornstein's. <laughs> uh, I'm going to Star- make it. Staring into a camera for 30 minutes. Yeah. Um, or maybe more. This is a, okay. Yeah, there's stretch goals. There's stretch goals. <laughs> there are 31 minutes. No, there's not. But, uh, <laughs> there should be. <laughs> it's a joke. It is a joke Kickstarter, and that's fine. Yep. Yeah. That should be a thing that you can do. Yep. And, you know. Uh, let's hear. Grand Theft Auto, in the in completely other realm where you're not worried about crowdfunding, Grand Theft Auto came out uh, yep. and on their first day made $800 million. Yep. Which is not the record, I don't think, but it's pretty close. I also read today that 
uh, Monster Hunter 4 on the 3DS came out in Japan recently, and they sold 1.7 million copies in the first two days. I don't know how that compares to That's 800 million dollars. That's probably 40 or 50 million, right? Yeah. I had a, a brief but interesting conversation with the uh, the bartender at the Outback Steakhouse. Oh, one, yeah. of the, one of the ones that we don't talk to that often, but uh, overheard Emily and I talking about video games, and so we talked about video games a little bit, and he almost exclusively plays... Uh, uh, Call of Duty and Madden. Okay, and which I feel like is a is a yeah that's large that is portion a, that of is a, that is yeah. a big change. game players. But then also played all the way through Skyrim. Like just had a couple mm. of couple of weeks of Skyrim just on console. It's like oh okay, right. huh. it's a little crossover. Yep, nice. Um, Interesting. And I talked to him a little bit. I he had never heard of Team Fortress Two. Um, I don't know. I don't know that I'm going to be uh, able to convince him. Well, but it's because it's not a console title. Isn't it? Can't you play TF2 on? I think Orange Box came out on console. Did I, it? I'm pretty sure it doesn't It doesn't get updates the way the hmm. PC version does. I realized when I was talking to him about this that I had no idea. I asked him if, if Cod Blops had character classes that you picked and he said no but then he went on to describe a system that, that was pretty clearly classes. character classes yeah okay. um and so that was interesting that's neat and also you know there there were just, there were just a bunch of there were a bunch of things that like we were talking past each other because we had different names for right. the ways that they worked um I, I wish that I had had longer to talk because it was weird. Because it's like this is a guy who is is friendly and knows us and is a nice guy and also is just has this. Like it would be neat to talk to Tom more about video games. Like he's, he's a crazy, friend of ours that, crazy like, gets Tom into a single from game. Yeah, for he, like, a year or two. He is one of those guys who all he played for like three years was Oblivion with and just started modding it and doing all this crazy shit. It was like one of those guys that just gets into one game every couple of years and just plays it to the exclusion of all else. And so a lot of times that'll be like a guy who plays a flight sim or whatever. Our, our friends' kids who Minecraft is the primary game they play and their entreaties for their parents to teach them how to make how to build their own mods starts with, well, first you need to learn how to read. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome I don't know that, I don't know that you can really lump like a like a, a four-year-old kid into the same uh, I don't think you should put a four-year-old kid in the same room as our friend Tom um, sure because I feel like that's unsafe and a is this, no, not is any this, of the, uh, is this Tom the policeman? Well, not anymore. Oh, is it? <laughs> yeah. I, I hadn't heard that. <laughs> it's, it's a complicated. Story. It's been it's been years since we saw him. Who fucking even knows? Um, yeah. What else? On the on the opposite side of uh, AAA titles, uh, Humble Bundle Nine has added a couple more titles, um, including Bastion and Limbo. So if you don't didn't have yeah. those two guys, this is a pretty phenomenal bundle. I, I didn't, I have not bothered getting it because I have almost everything that's in yeah, it. Yeah, I looked yeah, at it and I, I owned everything. It's been a long time since I saw anything in a Humble Bundle that I didn't already have. The so the two the two other titles that they just added were um, a virus named Tom and. Something like Brave Chicken or something, Road, oh, road yeah. Chicken. Okay. Um, which I don't have those, and I'm so I'm like, huh. Well, maybe it would be worth getting it because at this point, I'm even if there's only one or two games in a bundle, yeah. it's still I feel like it's still a worthwhile endeavor. I'm happy to give all the one other titles cent. that I've. Yeah. Well, no, but I'm happy to give all the other titles okay. that are in the bundle some extra money because they're all great. Yeah. Know? Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, I shouldn't like. 
in, in you her, know, was again, it? if Humble was just like, hey, give us 25 bucks a month, we'll give you a bundle every month, I would be like, huh. yep. I would totally if do cool, that. Because they curate really well. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And, I mean, and that's that's what... If I was not so scrupulous, I would probably buy this and give the code, the the Steam keys that I didn't already have to other people, but they... Are you not allowed to do that? Well, they ask them and they say... They ask you not to. They ask you well, not to. You're not so, allowed to do that. Right. I mean, that's the thing, because you know, I know a bunch I mean, of... yes, nothing's stopping. Oh, you're not allowed to murder dudes either. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I have friends who are like, oh, I already had this game on the bun- in this bundle I bought. Here's the Steam code, whoever redeems it first. You know, congratulations. And I'm like, well, shit, that's not, that's not what I want to do. Yeah. Uh, what else? Um, the LA Game Space released a, an experimental game collection um, that is only available... I th- if, if I am correct which i might not be it's only available for the next like 10 days um so if you want to check out any of these uh 30 sort of interesting weird alternative experimental games uh now is the time is there anything in it in particular that you thought looked um intriguing i i only watched a gameplay video of one of them by um by steve swink he's the guy that um has been working on scale for a couple years and was working on shadow physics before that um before it sort of went south um and his game is i think it's called inputting uh where the world is constructed the game world is constructed out of blocks and for most of the game you are like a ball trying to get from one place to another and various objects in the world have like letters or numbers on them and if you hit that letter or number it moves in the world and so you're just manipulating the world by your input um it and it varies that up a lot as you progress in the levels it's not it gets more interesting than that but that's the that's the primary trope that it explores um which sounded cool you know i'm curious to see where that where you can take that um and I just saw a bunch of screenshots of the other stuff, and it all looks very different and very interesting. So, cool. Yeah. Um, let's see here. Uh, relatively major news from Blizzard. Um, they are shutting down the auction house in Diablo Three. They've emailed everyone. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I don't know that I got an email. Hmm. I did. Huh. Rift did. Glebes did. Interesting. Maybe I, the only email cool guys. <laughs> I don't have any active subscriptions to a Diablo product. Well, you know, uh, there's Diablo, no such thing Diablo, as an active sorry, subscription. To a Blizzard to product. I don't have like yeah. I don't have World of Warcraft or anything. Maybe. They email me. They email me about World of Warcraft all the time. So they, they recently like did a thing where linking your BattleNet account to all your other stuff, so it's more of a so BattleNet is more of a hub than a. Thing so maybe if you didn't do that yet then you're not on their mail yeah, list for that. I'm interested to see. You know, I've always been, I've always defended their decision to to maintain the auction house because, from my perspective, that made it so there was a player economy as opposed to mm-hmm. there being the frustrating hint of a player economy that made it so. In Diablo 2, like, if I got a piece of a set to drop, I was like, well, never going to fucking see another piece of that set. Right. This is depressing because it is such an unreliable pain in the ass to actually interact with other people Mm -hmm. in this that I'm just not going to, you know, and I'm never going to make a rune word. And I'm never going to have, I'm never going to, because of the 
you know, because of offline mode and all the fucking duping, I'm never going to be able to participate in the player economy because I never had a Stone of Jordan drop and I never got any when they were duped. And so it's like, you know, I welcomed it from a multiplayer mm -hmm. point of view. I recognize that it it did cause a lot of the problems that people reported it having caused for them. I didn't really run into it. You know, the, the second time that I when, I, when I played through the game, you know, once on the normal difficulty again recently, like I didn't buy a lot of stuff from the auction house, I don't think, and I didn't feel like I was really missing out. It, it on didn't hit me until whatever the second difficulty is hard or whatever. I played through normal without using the auction hall at all, but I hit a wall really quickly on the difficulty following that. I, I also played through the first difficulty without the auction house and didn't, it's not that I hit, I didn't hit a wall, but I didn't, I just, I found the auction house and started messing around with it before mm. I hit a wall. But I'm, I might've also gotten to that same spot. What I'm interested in about this is that, you know, so it seems like to me, my interpretation of this story, and I could be wrong about the facts here, but when they released Diablo 3 on consoles, thus releasing an offline single-player mode for Diablo 3, they conceived of and implemented a new loot system that was designed for existence in a vacuum for a single player. And so it has, you know, things like give you things that you want a certain portion of the time. And... I am curious to see that system in action. Yeah, and by getting rid of the auction house and putting that system in place, I basically get to play Diablo 4, <laughs> which well, I'm happy especially about. since they're yeah. coming out with the expansion, which is going to yeah. be a bunch of additional content. Yeah. So, I mean, that 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 seems great, you know. I mean, I don't I I neither think that the auction house was the dumbest decision that they ever made, nor do I think the game is going to be unplayable without it. You know, it, it was I, I it feel was like just a thing they did. The idea of the auction house is a thing to facilitate player trading so you don't have to go through tremendous struggle with getting with making trades and dealing with gold farmers and stuff. I think that was entirely justified as an as a concept. I think the failure was in was in the way the game was balanced around that. Yeah. I I, I would agree with that. It would be interesting to see if they could come up with some sort of compromise solution that would facilitate player trading and an, a player economy but not require sort of this really awful game system that where you just never use anything that drops for you because it's just never any good compared to what you can get from the player economy. Yeah. I don't know. <clears throat> you know, I'm going to I'm going to be sad to not like gems are interesting to hear the system described, mm -hmm. right? But what I always wanted out of them was Whatever gem that dropped, I would think, I wish this was the gem I wanted instead of this one. And so then I would find someone who wanted the one that I had and trade them the one that I had for the one they had that I wanted. You and just wanted poison gems. It, yeah, I did. Well, because my whole build was in Diablo 2 was based around that bug uh, for a while where there was a there was an error in the math for poison. And so it's poison bonuses got instead multiplied of instead of added. Yeah. And so it was like, Wow, this is fucking crazy. This rules. Why? I'll, this. Why isn't anybody? Why is anybody using anything other than emeralds? 
And, uh, you know, that was great for a while. And I would go into multiplayer games that were like gem traders hanging out here and just fuck around and like maybe get what I wanted in exchange. And in Diablo 3, it was real nice because it was like, yeah. all right, well, what what is the best ruby that I can afford for this? Mm -hmm. And then I would go buy it and then I would put it in there and I would not feel like I was skipping the game or I would just, you know, I would, I would just feel like, all right, well, I... Somebody else had the thing that I wanted, and I had some gold, which they wanted, so I yeah. traded it to them, it, and that was very video game. In Diablo 2, I don't think I ever used a gem, because every time I got a gem, it went into my chest to upgrade. waiting yeah waiting for me to collect five more of those so that i could upgrade it to the next one which would stay in there waiting for five more of those whereas in diablo 3 every time i got a gem i sold it and bought the best quality gem i could buy and put it in the weapon and actually used them yeah i mean i like the commodities the maybe they should just keep the commodities market and get rid of the auction house itself because that that would be a way to compromise. One thing that the auction house did was it it exposed the item generation system in a way that, hmm. like, I think part of, the way that I would probably have decided to design that is, here's the auction house, you can sell one item. Hmm. Right? So it does not just get flooded with garbage because that is it's it was what 10 items before uh, was it was it only 10 yeah, I, I like I you, could have, so. you could have 10 auctions at a time but i just feel like for any given randomly generated thing there were just a thousand of them in the auction house at any moment and it was like okay i mean this is just like it is no longer a game about finding good stuff it is just a game about finding a good price on one of the 10,000 copies of anything that is in this, which I don't think was a fundamentally busted design. I would rather, like, I am okay with the idea of a world, of an RPG world in which there are certain things that are of interest to certain classes. Everything drops fairly and randomly. Mm -hmm. And getting what you want is either a matter of getting lucky or participating in the player economy. Like, I think that there is a purity to that. Mm -hmm. And there is a... There is an ability to model stuff in a population like that that lets you not have to worry about creating an actual sort of compelling or like to, to be grosser about it, like an addictive item drop logic loop and just lets you make a system. Just make this. This world is just a simulation of a world where... It, breaking a skeleton in half results in a sword being created and that sword has one of a billion different properties on it mm -hmm. and maybe one of those properties results in the best sword for some specific purpose but that's that's none of our business right like we're just going to let this happen mm. simulation wise and then the player economy will determine which things are important to people and which things are valuable to people and also gate and provide an opportunity for people to be able to get the things that they want in exchange for things that other people want. And that to me is awesome. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I can't help feel, I can't help but feeling like there is a version of Diablo two with the auction house that is better than any version of Diablo two without the auction house, Diablo three without the auction house. 
there is some perfect Diablo 3 that has an auction house in it that is better than the most perfect Diablo 3 with no auction house because a player economy is better than no player economy. And I fundamentally believe that because a player economy is one of the most interesting things to me about a video game. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I don't doubt that it will still be fun. I think that a billion assholes on the internet are now just saying, I told you so, and Mm -hmm. they bought the game when it had the fucking auction house, and no one else is going to buy it. There is nobody, there is literally no one who said, I'm not buying this game because of your stupid auction house bullshit that is going to buy it (laughs) after the auction house goes away. Not even one person. Well, no, because there's still no offline mode. (laughs) Well, I think it's possible that there will be an influx of people when they come out with their expansion. Sure. Okay, yeah. And also... There will be an influx of old people coming back. Yeah. Well, sure, but there might also be new people. I mean, it's not like everybody bought it the first time. Well, sure. I mean, there are probably still new people going into Diablo 2 right now. Maybe. Um, (laughs) What is interesting, though, is like the, the player economy, will it even exist like will there be offline sites of like what things are worth and how much you should trade for stuff you will there were be a lot more involved in that in diablo 2 than i was what was that like i i wasn't really like i i thought you actually like sold stuff i thought you i, I thought you oh, made some uh, real money from uh, diablo 2 no not, not not real money no do i have you confused somebody else maybe hmm. i um i i occasionally traded things with people but i didn't i also didn't have any of that stone of Jordan stuff going on. Um, I, I really, I really enjoyed Diablo two and I got a character up into the like eighties or something low nineties maybe. Um, but I never, I didn't like a level cap a character or whatever. <sighs> Diablo two was interesting because you, people were playing it at all different levels, right? Because I, like I came in to a game once with people who were farming the nightmare difficulty bosses and they had like a map hack thing and it was, they were just doing a run every 10 or 15 minutes. Um, like I think nightmare bail runs or whatever. And I was just sort of along for the ride while they did stuff. And it was fascinating. It was, they were having fun, but it was a weird sort of grindy progression through these levels as fast as possible with people who had just, because they'd done it a bunch, had just a ton of ridiculously good gear and stuff. And, I was like, it was just weird. It was weird that that was happening at the same time that it's I was having a, yeah, my, it's fun, a lot of, my fun little It's a lot of different adventures. games for a lot of different people. And yeah. I mean, I think, and that speaks also to the, to the simulation-y aspects of it. Right, right? to like the fact, the fact, that, fact that it's that it a is, bunch of systems that are... That are well-designed, well-designed systems. And, and I don't think that the systems in Diablo 3 are just fundamentally poorly designed. You know, I... Right. I I don't have a real good sense of how the difficulty of things is balanced at the high end of stuff. But like the notion that if it is if it is genuinely impossible for you to, say, beat the act one boss on the second difficulty level with gear that drops from the end boss of the first difficulty level, Mm. then that sucks. 
right? If the only way to progress is by buying stuff that you could not have gotten yourself, Mm -hmm. then I would agree that that's kind of shitty. But I've never actually seen anything that demonstrates that that's true. Well, is that people true, have or is that, said is that, that it's true, or does that just make it way easier to do it? Right. So by there's, doing there's that. player skill questions, but then there's also like, are you willing to grind to get a bunch of additional drop chances and the ability to upgrade items because you can you know trade items in for gold and gold in for better gems or whatever you know like. I mean, to me, a game where progress is gated by either skillful play or grinding or skillful participation in the player economy or just giving them some money, money yeah seems like a game where there is a way to get through there no matter what your temperament is and no matter what sure. no matter what your tolerances for sacrifice are i had and assumed that seems great without to me, any but. numbers that the auction house was 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 going to be a huge money maker for for blizzard I mean, and it must not be if they're willing to right. to just ditch it. That's right? that's yeah. what I'm. That's that's what this is making me realize is that I had just assumed that this was a wildly successful thing for them, and clearly it is not. Um, and, unless unless they are so committed to making a game that is more fun that they are willing to forego some profit, um, but I doubt that that's I doubt that's probably the case. I I, I mean, wonder. I would, not, I would not say that that is an impossible sentiment to come down sure. the vine at Blizzard. But I'm I I believe that that part of their design philosophy for making the auction house was that they realized that they could make some money doing it, right? I mean, I think th- the way that I imagined it was that rather than s- just spending a shitload of money dealing with the fallout of player curated systems for dealing with the player economy and th- stopping them from just becoming the like hives of scamming that they inevitably do they could both control it to make it fairer for the players and also make a little bit of money off of it and also have an ongoing stream of revenue for doing the incredibly fucking expensive thing that they do in maintaining servers for you to play Diablo 3 online and then people say let's play offline when costing the fucking dime but Fuck those people. And, you know, you can still play Diablo 2 online for free. And they're sure as shit not making enough money off of new box sales of Diablo 2 to even pay for the electricity on one of the fucking Battle.net servers dedicated to letting you continue to do that. So to me, them saying, hey, we want to do this thing where we maybe make a little bit of money in exchange for the service that we are providing you that costs us a bunch of money. My grown-ass man sensibilities said, (laughs) okay, Blizzard, fair enough. (laughs) I will allow you to have this feature that I am free to fucking ignore, and I will not piss and moan about it on the internet because that sounds pretty fair to me. So do you think that the player economy results in... Uh, more unhappy players in Diablo. <laughs> well, this is a news story that I, I brought to the table today was that uh, the guy who writes the uh, psychology of video games column, which doesn't come out very often, but it's always pretty good. Um, he was talking about Diablo three and the rapidity with which you can change your skill loadout, which I refuse to call a build. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, strange how the fullness of time makes a fool out of you, Kevin, and vindicates me because uh, his, his theory is, there, there is this this principle whereby 
he cited an experiment where somebody takes like five you the the participants in the experiment they like take some pictures and then they say all right you can pick one of these to take home with you and then you pick one to do something else with and group a you make your decision now and it is permanent and you cannot go back on it and then group b you know you can you can change your mind at any point in the next couple days if you want to so no big deal just just make the decision and and whatever it's not really important and then they measured how satisfied people were you know 2 weeks later with, with the choice that they had made hmm. and the ones who had made it permanently were significantly more satisfied with their choices than the ones who had had a bunch of time to think about it and hem and haw and change their minds and it's just because once something is done we tend to look back on it in a way that, like what's the point of being unhappy mm-hmm. about this i didn't you know i was like all right so that's it i that imagine also made. that the the people who are facing a permanent decision put more thought into the decision than the group p b people do yeah it could be but i think his his take on it in terms of in terms of diablo and in terms of just generally like decisions being permanent and you being able to lock yourself into something that is bad with quotes around it that are big enough to contain your mom is that it's fine that's generally going to result in people being happy like i i am happy about the fucking primary deck that i use in hearthstone because i committed in the beginning i'm like ah, the shaman looks cool i'm gonna be a shaman because i'm a shaman in world of warcraft because that's another decision that i made like fucking eight years ago That has been a permanent decision that I am, that I'm like, you know what? Fucking shaman all the way. I am loyal to that fucking dude. They has the best skills. He has the best elementals. I'm on my second. Fuck your mage bullshit. Exactly. (laughs) Give it, given the choice to do it over again, you are so confident that your choice of class, which super fucking arbitrary, you know, you'd probably be just as happy if you'd made a different decision, but this one is yours. (laughs) All right, what's your counter? What's your counter? <laughs> so I have something else that some other prin- psychological principle that I think he talks about is people, when they have to make a decision, delaying as long as possible, right? And I feel like that's something that I do in video games all the time where I have these points for upgrades and I will just keep them unspent rather than locking myself into a particular paradigm that is dissatisfying and i wonder though again the sort of deeply objectionable concept of acceptable losses right like is it okay that you as a representative of one percent of crazy dudes that play video (laughs) games in the way that you do are unhappy with that system whereas it generally makes everybody else happier you know and maybe this is just me having bias towards the way things used to be in in World of Warcraft or whatever, but when you could respect, but it got progressively more expensive, yep. mm-hmm. that seemed like a really fair system. You Me you too. were not yeah. you were not tied to something. You could try out other stuff, but it cost a lot, and so you put more effort into getting it right. Yeah, when they introduced dual specs, and I was like, eh, okay, I guess I will, because there is no risk or cost associated with this, I guess I will try to make play a, a fucking resto shaman. It sucked. 
I, I went into dungeons and I was like, this is not me. This is not, I don't like this. I'm not good at this. I am not interested in this. I am only doing this because of some like weird sense of obligation that like the hmm. world needs more healers and it was selfish of me to take the the road more traveled yeah. and make a DPS yeah. build on this guy. But you know what I like? I like setting shit on fire and I like throwing lightning bolts at stuff and I like putting down totems that make my lightning bolts set yeah. more shit on fire and fuck this rain bullshit. I'm, I'm 100% with you, except <laughs> like, for me it's I like turning into a cat and clawing the fuck out of a dude. I don't I don't give a shit about turning into a tree and healing people. So like the the long demanded and probably well received dual specking in World of Warcraft I'm not going to say that it diminished the experience for me, but I will say that it didn't add anything yeah. meaningful. There were a couple of hours that I fucked with it. I was like, ah, nope. I don't think I even ever filled out my second uh, spec. Huh. I, I definitely would have used the hell out of it because I... You had two different playstyles that you enjoyed, yeah. and you you worked very hard to balance being good at both of them. Yeah. And you carried multiple sets of gear to oscillate yeah. between those two roles. Most people would not do that, right? What did you, what did you play, Kevin? Shadow Priest. priest yeah. yeah. So it was Shadow so Priest. Like, but he also had a whole between Shadow Priest to heal, set, healing like he priest. Could. So I would heal. I would it wasn't I could never do raids, but I would do like five man, even mm. heroic groups sometimes as specced as a Shadow Priest but healing mm. because I had enough high-end raid gear that my my casts were acceptable. But it was hard. It was hard to do that. And if I had and, had, and, you know, most people, most people weren't it. willing weren't willing to work as hard as you sure. were for the combination of utility on multiple axes and feeling like your character was your character. Right. You know, you were, and so you felt like it was fine for it to be like that. I was willing to just not. I, I mean, really, I was willing to not play in groups, right? Yeah. Because. Since I was DPS, nobody ever needed me for anything. Right. Since I was casual, nobody ever wanted me to play your reindeer games when you were raiding. The, Shadow Priest was just the best. Was just the best situation. I mean, again, you know, I'm I'm super happy with this and arbitrary you choice that, that I made. because you made that choice. <laughs> well, okay, and you couldn't change it. I mean, that's but yeah. in raid, everybody was super excited to have. Because you were basically you got that, healing you got that just their like MP, passive MP restore. Yeah, you were you were this you giant mana damage, battery for everybody else, else. Yeah. and you were doing a bunch of damage. And the more damage you did, the more man, mana you restored to everybody else. And so they were like, "Oh yeah, please come on, come be in my group." Because like, and you're just, you I were mean, just instantly popular you know, with I remember casters. Every stuff. once in a while, there would be some encounter where it's like, "Oh fuck, shaman." Put down a grounding totem, right. and this fight gets way the fuck easier. <laughs> we always forget that that's a thing. And like, neat, okay. <laughs> like, uh, grounding, the grounding totem was a weird metagame thing where it would, anytime there was like a spell that created a bad effect on a player, if there was a grounding totem nearby, it would give the effect to the grounding totem mm. instead. Huh. Um, and cool. so it was a way to just like, and then there were also things like there was the only shamans had the only like r recurring AOE poison cure or whatever. Oh, right. So like just having that poison cleansing totem down made it so the healer's job was a lot easier because they didn't have to keep individually dispelling poison right. from each person in the group or whatever. So there was a bunch of stuff, which they got rid of all of that, you know, because you yeah, can't have that can't have any identity. 
<laughs> of your characters. Can't have any unfairness anywhere in the system. Can't have this be a world of Warcraft. This has to be a game of Warcraft. <sighs> yeah, you know, I, I am curious. Like, I played System Shock 2 with as many unspent points for as long as I could and just didn't commit to a class because I didn't, I think, I mean, in part, I didn't want to regret it, right? Because it was permanent. I mean, I did what I always do, which was to play for a couple of hours, see what those first couple of hours worth of points that I decided to spend on stuff did. Mm -hmm. The ones that I regretted when I started over, I didn't spend them a second time. Hmm. And so just giving my, giving myself that like one trial run and you know, and then not actually finishing the game, which I <laughs> didn't do. But in Skyrim, you can't max everything out, right? Like you, you get to a point where you stop leveling. Not anymore. And the oh. they they added a, they added some kind of system where you can, you can like, I forget what they even call it. There's some mode that you can put skills into that resets them to zero. It like uh, it refunds the perk points and resets that skill to zero, but it doesn't reset your level. So you can then level that skill up again and keep leveling up like it effectively removed the level cap weird yeah but you have to i think maybe the skill has to be at 100 for you to do it so wow. you, you have to just like sort of cycle hmm. cycle back through but then it gives you the skill this the perks to spend elsewhere so you can like you know kind of respec it's fascinating it's 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 harsh i mean it's going to take you know 15 20 hours of game i feel like it generally takes like 15 hours to to get a skill in Skyrim up to a hundred, huh. right? Like it's the thing that really doesn't happen until you're like, yeah, I'm definitely playing this dude. <laughs> <laughs> um, maybe some other, maybe, you know, maybe not all skills are like that, but right. You know, I know that on my, my recent playthrough of Skyrim to, to play through all the DLC, I was, I think I put like 20 hours into this like archer guy and only got to like 92 archery or something. Wow. It's another game that I just sort of stopped playing halfway through. I should go back to it. Yeah, halfway is a kind of a meaningless term. I halfway through the main storyline. Yeah, also meaningless term. Main <laughs> meaningless term. Storyline meaningless term. Ending meaninglessest term. Sure. Hey, so this assignment riff. Yeah, sorry. When you're, when you're seven times over fire. <laughs> when I originally played the demo, which did not go all the way through the Copper Age, I did not realize that however many thousands of years it is between the Copper Age and the Bronze Age would be played out one to one in the gameplay as you playing through this. So, uh, so yeah. I we we none of us even finished a game. No, no. I got to not the even second fucking close. I got to the second ring. <laughs> Yeah, when you said you got to the second thing, and I was like, "Oh, you got to the you got to the Bronze Age," and you're like, "No." I think I played for two hours and just barely like I got to the Bronze Age and started doing that for a while. I was like, "How many ages are there?" This this yeah. How many ages going? are there? I don't know. Three or four. How long does a game of this take? I'm guessing the, ten hours. Yeah. The thing that the thing that there were there were like a number of presentation problems that I had with this, and I and I thinking back on this, and we talked about this a little bit earlier. Dangerous high school girls on trouble in trouble. Dangerous high school girls in trouble. It's one of those things where it sounds cool and I'm glad that it exists, but I didn't really enjoy playing it. Yeah. And this 
I have so many problems with the presentation of this game. Yeah. It, it, I, I, so I can appreciate the like, oh, this is like a weird Nickelodeon, mm-hmm. you know, a, a mechanical arcade game machine thing, but it is, the visual style is reminiscent of the absolute worst era of PC games. The like 640 by 480 standard resolution games, the pre-rendered ray traced the last express everything is fucking made of dither wood <laughs> with some fucking brass four tone brass fittings dither wood yeah. it is the graphics the graphics were were bad so gross were, but the iconography bland. was yeah. the thing that drove me nuts right like all of the little icons which are in, incredibly important for you to be able to play the game the ones on the tokens on the track were so hard for me to tell the difference between them. Yeah, really? yeah. Like not, huh. many not of them are super small. I, I didn't. I didn't have a problem with that at all until until I had both math and alphabet. Right. At the I, same I, time. I accidentally those, those I accidentally really clicked on the ones. on those two because it was like a bunch of X's and a bunch of like numbers and stuff. Yeah. That was super frustrating. And it like isn't the it various isn't. human figures. So sometimes you know I had there was one with a guy over his head. There was one holding something in the middle of the body. One with a spear. And I was like, those are all. And because they have people standing in front of them. Right, and because it is important which one you're messing with. Like, Uh, it is not impossible to tell which person you're dropping a token in on the map, but it is hard enough that it is just a tiny bit of effort each of the billion fucking times you're apparently expected to do that. Why you guys are not two different distinct colors. Yep. So that you can just tell, because all the only way I was able to tell or, apart or, was their their headdress, and even then, occasionally well, they were super skirt. or highlight yeah. them They're on really the board when you mouse over the dude uh, on the top. Right, yeah. just that that would have been anything, sure. yeah. yeah, anything to make it so you know, so that you are not constantly accidentally feeding a token to the wrong person and then <sighs> giving one of the other weird ghost players some tokens where. Th- this game does not. It, the, the narrative and the gameplay stuff was very confusing. It to me does at not. First. Yeah, it does yeah. not make it at all it, clear yeah, what your goal is, well explain what's going or how on. close to your yeah. goal you are, and yep. that is a thing that works in, say, you know, you start playing Spelunky. It doesn't tell you what your goal is, but a game of Spelunky lasts fifteen seconds the first time you play it, <laughs> and then you're fucking dead, and then you're like, hmm, and then you learn something and try again. This one, it's like. Okay, well, I'm doing a bunch of boring shit that is not challenging in any way that I understand. I am not being presented with anything that is novel in a meaningful way because I don't know what the fuck is going on and I don't know what any of this stuff means. I have this vague sense that, like, being eaten by crocodiles is bad, (laughs) so that probably shouldn't happen to my dudes. But, like, it for all of the shit that it throws in front of you, so little of it is any elucidation about what the fuck is going on or how long it's likely to take. Yeah, the it does a really poor job of explaining what what the what your end goals are and, and how to reach them. I I thought the mechanic of 
like the decisions you have to make of which tokens to give to your guys and in what yes. order so that there is okay, there's so some interesting move, logic puzzle if I type move stuff. the wife up to here then I can use this other token to move the husband and do the like double to the, the double, double move jump. yeah 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 which yeah. doesn't that fucking happen cool. sometimes what the fuck that's it doesn't happen if they don't love each other oh jesus christ yeah yeah that that seriously that that's, tri- that's that tripped the me problem? up a while yeah you you have to uh, ah, you, you have you have to uh, you, you go through so many generations and have love for each other before but you go through so many generations in this game that like I don't remember whether they love each other you know well like, it says when you yeah, mouse you over says, them well, yeah you have to mouse over them every every yeah. time there's I mean apparently if you don't have the right token to land on the suitor that. Yep, loves you. Then the other one becomes jealous, yep. and then becomes like an enemy. That even just if there, there is the nobody time. who loves you, you can still make somebody jealous. Yeah. It's like it just. Well, seems, I mean, that's an accurate. Super... That's an accurate sure. simulation of real yeah. life. <laughs> Sometimes it just seems like it was random whether you make somebody jealous or 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 a friend or whatever. Yeah. Okay, did you guys ever uh, raise one child with a ton of tokens and let the other one not? That was the worst fucking mistake That's I ever a made. Bad thing to do, because Jesus, because yeah, then you've got a permanent enemy in the next round. Yep. Well, and not only a permanent enemy, like you got somebody who just randomly destroys uh-huh. half your fucking tokens every round. But on the on the other hand, if you only have like two kids and you do the exact same thing to them every round, then in the next generation, that other kid pops up and gives you free tokens every couple rounds. That never happened to me. Yeah, it happened to me once. Um, oh, after God. that, I started... What if my, you just let my, them play the whole time? My ancestors started going into a decline and I had fewer and fewer spare tokens yeah, each it round. Yeah, it gets brutal. It gets, it gets rough. What, once I started like having getting to a point where... I only had one or two kids for a long time and also got in like uh, uh, an invention or something that gives you a lot of bonus tokens and was able to actually raise a kid to having good stats. Then the generation started going back up again. But yeah, we were in a slump for a while. I never, I never had a point. Like I had to get most of my tokens through corruption to like make any progress. That means the in the in the grain in the grain mini game where you're like raising the raising you're raising the crops. I have no idea what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, this. I, I, so you got to the Bronze Age, uh-huh. and you did not play like any mini games at all. The only thing that I would ever uh, call a mini game that I ever saw was getting like a heroic achievement, which gives you like a sort of choose your own adventure selection of okay so right. the priest said this what do you say okay so he says this now what do you say and you get a few tokens out of that okay so when i, I never saw anything when i played the game, the game every round i think when i got to the fourth the fourth wheel okay i never got to the fourth you wheel. never got to the fourth wheel no, i got how to do you third get to the bronze age without getting to the fourth wheel i, I got to the third wheel and um and then you went home because you were tired of watching two <laughs> dudes awkwardly try to kiss. I, I got to the third wheel and got to, you know, the end of the age or whatever, and it gives you another choose your own adventure thing about how is your family going to survive this. And we made it into the next age, but dropped down a ring and became blacksmiths. What the fuck? Okay, so I made it to the fourth wheel. And when you do that, it opens up a whole new mode of gameplay where you are just having every turn you have a fucking mini game to play 
where it's all like lemonade stand kind That's of stuff. Nuts. Yeah. So like, and you have to remember to click on the goddamn owl every round, or it just makes random decisions but for you, which are almost always fucking terrible. To even get to the the fourth ring, I mean, at, at the end, three of the yeah, at, three at of the, the end of every success really thing, things. you have to pick yeah the worst one. And yeah, I think I did that one like once. I think it's <laughs> it's, it's super hard. It was I super guess hard I had to, get to have there. done it twice because I got to the third ring. And then it just makes it that much worse. And like, and so then the way so that there's I all this new gameplay there that you would never know about if you didn't take the most punishing course. Through Apparently, the game. yes, crazy. So and then, and you can do it again if you can get instead of if you try to go up the social class one more time instead of giving you. And instead of like making you go up to the next, there's you know there's no fifth ring or whatever. It just get, it unlocks a new mini game for you. So I was wow. at the end of, at the end of the copper age for me. I was both the in person in charge of the granary stuff and in charge of like public works. So I was dealing with building roads and uh, waterways or something like that. And it was just and like it just seemed like every round just things got worse and worse and worse. Uh. And so like and so I was like, well, fuck this. I'm just going to start being corrupt and get a bunch of extra because like at, at least with that, I get a bunch of free tokens every round. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was. That's really weird. And then so then I got to the um, I got to the Bronze Age. And because I was still in that fourth ring, um because I guess I was made king or something like that. Mm. And so my descendant was also a king or something. So I was in that fourth fourth round, fourth ring, and was now in charge of the military. And so I had, and like the, the whoever was, one of my, whoever of my descendants was, was in charge of the military was being told by the king that you have to like, you have to defeat a city, you know, in, in under 10 years or whatever. And I was like, what does that mean? I have invaded yeah, what, all of these different regions. What's even a year? I don't, well, I think it's each... Each cycle oh, is, is, is a each year. Each tick is a year. Is a year oh, or whatever. Okay. Is it random how many spaces? I, the that was moves? my other question because, like, I had I lost people so many times because I was like, oh, it won't be a problem. I've got like six spaces between here and the crocodiles, and nope, I somebody died. Uh, I am not a hundred percent on this, but it seemed to me like if I. If I dump, if I had everybody in the family do something, like I either dumped a token in them or I had them try to make tokens. In the case of the kids, then it only moved one space. And if several family members ended up like not doing anything that turn, then it moved three spaces. Huh. But I'm not a hundred percent on how strict that division is. I mean, I feel like maybe that's a result of the systems in this game being so unclear that you can't tell the difference between data collection and superstition. Yeah, yeah. Right? I mean... Yeah, I mean, there is probably... If you are willing to get into it, there is probably a really interesting strategic game mm-hmm. here. Yeah, I, we need an evangelist yeah. to explain, <laughs> to explain how what's good works. about it because it's, it feels like it can't just be... It cannot be... I, like I feel... I feel like kind of an asshole for being so down on this because it, there's I I don't because it doesn't it, at no point does it try to present itself to you in a really in a friendly way like so much stuff is going on yeah. like I I even spent some time just reading the documentation and I was like okay I think I sort of understand some of the stuff but you guys need to explain more of this 
introduce the systems slower or something. It doesn't need to do anything slower. It's slow as fuck. <laughs> I don't know. There, there was a lot of stuff going on. Like, like it, it was not until I, I had already screwed myself in one round by raising a child in the previous generation. What is a round? A round is a, a generation. generation. A okay. generation, yeah. Um, until I had basically screwed myself in a generation by um, by raising a, 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 a kid... So that explains that's that's actually that if you weren't trying for those the crazy you know jump social class things then you were getting a lot more bonuses in given rounds and that's why you could actually raise family. I just started mm. like I like I just after three or four generations I just let my kids play every round. Yeah, I just had to. There was just no way for me to there, actually when, do when anything. When we were in that slump, yeah, the there were lots of rounds where I just didn't have spare tokens to feed to the kids. There was one round but. where I had like six kids not, and I, had, I was not trying to get any. I, yeah, I had one. That was, that was what happened to me on the second round and I was like, I don't know what the fuck to do about like... <laughs> just let them play. Or I was just like trying to like giving them ingots every time to see... Yeah. Oh yeah, I guess that's a good point. You could just... They don't, they don't do the oh, they don't. even minor leveling up right? when you do that. <sighs> yeah, it, like... I I definitely felt screwed for resources in a lot of the in a lot of the game. There's a part of me that wonders if presenting the exact same information in a more palatable visual the same, aesthetic, the same the same systems just sort of reorganized. Yeah, I wonder if it would have been more appealing to us. Yeah, I really liked actually the. It was like a weird combination school. of like yeah. a board game and a computer yeah, game. Yeah, the clunkety slot machine i like sliding the tokens into the slots the, yeah, it's just, the like metaphor it's so of pink. having the printouts come out yeah, of the yeah. device was interesting but not something that i felt was necessary no i mean no i mean all of this is aesthetic choices but the choose your own adventure things when you did the heroic tasks mm-hmm. were kind of interesting but they but they seemed super random i was never i was never sure what choice yeah, to make yeah i was never I, I I never really felt like I, I mean, and let me finish the first thought before I go into the second thought. I never really felt like I had totally hit the right choices, right? Or if there were right choices, or, or if there were right choices. But I mean, maybe that's the point of that. You know, maybe it's sure. you know there are no hundred percent clear choices in life. So yeah, the the I think I quit when I got to the Bronze Age and I was in charge of the military and. I forgot to click on the owl, and the next the next turn, the king was like, "The king reprimands you." I was like, "For what? <laughs> you didn't click the owl." You, and I went back, and half of my army was gone. I was, I was like, sorry. "What the was fuck king, did king, I do?" King Bogost reprimands you for not clicking the cow. <laughs> I, like I did not. I was so pissed because whatever had happened that I did not get to see the results of had just ruined my uh, my army. I was like, "Oh my god." Yeah, yeah. I don't know. The grain raising game was was super hard and that and like it just didn't seem like there was a way to win. My population just kept getting lower. My population kept getting lower and lower, but because I kept giving them more grain than they needed, they just kept getting happier and happier. <laughs> Yay, we're all dying. Yeah, right? Like just plague after plague after plague and they were like, "You're the best." To the point where every round from them, which I think is why I was able to get was, was turned into a king or whatever, every round from them I was getting like 7 or 8 of the legend points or whatever, just mm. from the mini game, which was like, okay, sure. Great. Thanks. <laughs> I, you know, I, I don't feel qualified to give a full 
review of this a game. N- a numerical score. Well, <laughs> right. But I, like we usually do. I just, it, my initial two or three hour gameplay session was incredibly dissatisfying. Yeah. Yeah. It was just an off-putting. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, maybe what we need to do is just go talk to these people at Indiecade and yeah. see. And like, they can show us how hey, to play Hey, bro, it. what the fuck, bro? <laughs> Your shit seems real lame, but maybe we're just stupid instead of you? That's, that's all right. So write that down. <laughs> yeah, so uh, next week. Yeah. Um, what I think I would like to recommend is that we download this... Um, LA Game Space experimental game collection, and uh, should we split them up between us? No, just play whatever. Yeah, just let's let's all play inputting because I know that that one's at least interesting. Okay, uh, can we play in two hundred and forty dollars worth of pudding? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, uh, that was Steve Swing's game. So uh, the other ones, just pick some and we'll talk about them. Cool. Um, I don't know how many how many of them have like a ton of game. I don't know how much time was spent on these projects. So. Well, we don't have uh, time for any listeners' mail today, but Kevin, if somebody wanted to send us some listeners' mail, they, which we have actually been getting to that's recently, true. how would they do it? They could tweet us at VGHotDog. They could email us, VGHotDog at gmail.com. Or they could go to our website, VideoGamesHotDog.com, where you can find links to previous shows and our forums and uh, skeletons and sweet swords. Nice. All right, well, gentlemen... I've had a fantastic time recording episode number 127 of Video Games Hot Dog with you tonight. Mm-hmm. We solved a lot of the world's problems. That's true. That's right. We got a lot of free sodas. Put put a lot of tokens in slots. Yep. Uh, have a great week, everyone. See you next time. See ya. My hands are like, whoa.